For our message today, we're going to be looking at what's called the lost, or nicknamed the lost chapter of the Bible. Uh, we already read one of, there's, there's three parables. It's called the lost chapter because Jesus tells three stories all about something lost. You already heard one of them, the story of the lost sheep. What are the other two? Do you guys know? Lost coin and? The other one, we usually don't say the lost son. It's maybe the prodigal son, so the lost son. So bam, 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 Jesus tells three stories about something being lost, something being found. Uh, and, and they're all a little bit different, um, maybe some more popular than others. Uh, even if you had never heard of that story of the lost sheep that we read earlier for the gospel reading, you maybe have seen a picture of Jesus you know, throwing that sheep up onto his shoulders and carrying it home. Uh, the lost son is probably the most popular of the, the three stories, A, it, it gets the most ink. 22 out of the 32 verses of Luke 15 are devoted towards the lost son. And we know it also, like you said, the parable of the prodigal son. And, and so that one's maybe a little bit popular. Today we're going to be looking at what I would think is the least popular of those three parables. And that's the story of the lost coin. Only three verses long in Luke chapter 15. Uh, but just looking at these words today, so Jesus speaking, or suppose a woman has his 10 silver coins and loses one. Uh, doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Uh, now, Jesus, when he spoke these three parables, he really had the same, same you know, thing that he was trying to portray to his people. Uh, he didn't really make a distinction between the three parables. In fact, if you look at the opening verses of the chapter, it says Jesus told them this parable, one parable with three parts to it. And so they followed the same outline. You got something lost, you got something sought, you got something found, you got something celebrated. Uh, so, so Jesus doesn't really make a distinction between the three parables. He's just using three stories, hopefully trying to get through to our, our thick heads. All right? While he doesn't make a distinction, I think our ears maybe do. Our ears maybe hear these three stories a little bit differently, and they, they hit us differently. I, I, I think that story of the lost son, for example, likely strikes a chord more than the other ones. It could just be my ears. Uh, but but it, it strikes a chord because it's a person, right? We're not talking about an animal or an object. It's a, it's a real person. Or, or maybe that, that story of Jesus and the, lost, or the parable of the lost son strikes a chord because that's our story. Maybe we ran away and we know what it's like to live a, uh, to live a scandalous life and then to be brought back into God's family. Or, or maybe we have a loved one who's running away right now. And so that, that, that Luke chapter 15, the end of it, the lost son, really, really strikes a chord. Or maybe the lost sheep really strikes a chord. I know a lot of you are pet owners, and you love your animals. And so you can think about, oh, what it's like, or maybe you, this has happened to you where you've lost a pet and the joy that you've experienced uh, when you found that pet again. It seems like every week, you know, I, I see how people are, are so tied to their animals that every week you'll see something on social media that says, you know, lost, or I'll see a poster 
taped to my mailbox every week. This is lost, Fido or Fluffy, and, and reward, right? Reward for if you find this beloved animal. I have yet, I have yet to see a poster that says, reward if you dig into my couch cushions and find my coins, right? Um, and, and so maybe this one, the parable of the lost coin, doesn't strike accord as much of the other ones because it, it maybe just seems to be uh, a common occurrence where we'll lose coins in our couch cushions or in our car seats or on the pavement or wherever it is. And yet it's this seemingly common occurrence of, of losing coins, uh, this particular parable of, of Jesus 3, uh, that struck a chord with me this week and maybe drove home another point uh, that I maybe hadn't thought of, and I, I pray it does the same for you. Uh, and, and maybe I, I said seemingly common occurrence. It's not so much a seemingly common occurrence what Jesus is really describing here in Luke 15. Uh, Luke 15 is not just a lady losing a quarter or two. Uh, it says she lost a drachma, which is about one day's wage, one day's wage for the common laborer. And so if I looked up, I looked up the labor stats for Reno in August of 2022, uh, that would equal about $137.22. Uh, I'd maybe go digging into couch cushions for $137.22. Even if there's old popcorn there or old smelly socks, yeah, I'd go in for $137.22. And that, that helps us understand a little bit more what this woman is going through, how frantic uh, she is, that this is a day's wage. You understand why she's, hey, bring in the lights and, 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 and bring in the brooms. It, and and it, what's, wouldn't it be an easy job for her? It, she didn't just have a nice smooth floor like this. It would have been likely a dirt floor, and so she couldn't just put her eye down on the ground and look for that little hump or look for something shiny. Uh, very likely the, the dust would have swallowed up this coin, and so she would have had to sweep and sift and sweep and sift and sweep and sift. And, and, but she's willing to do it, and, and you know how that is when you lose something of value. The longer it's lost, the more frantic you get. All right, and you're uncovering everything, and so she's probably going nuts at this point. I can't find it, I can't find it, I can't find it. But she's willing to go through with it. Why? Because it's worth her time, it's worth her effort. Because that little lost coin is valuable, valuable to her. And whether it's 22 cents or $137.22, that's really Jesus' point with this parable. That he's saying it doesn't matter who you are. He doesn't want anybody to be lost. You are all valuable to God. That's really the main point of this, this text. That you are valuable to God. And you, you think about why Jesus said this. Remember who was it or what was the, we read it earlier, what was the context? Is that you had these, these Pharisees, you had these tax collectors, these people who were looking like shiny pennies. And they were looking down at the grimy pennies. And, and Jesus is saying, no, they're just as valuable to me as, as you are. You know, they, they, and, and why? Why are they valuable? And it really goes back to this verse that you are a product of God. You are 
a creature of the Creator. On, on Wednesday, we had our piece of pizza midweek Bible hour. And I always encourage you, uh, it's open invitation. Typically, the first Wednesday of the month for all ages. And, and we looked at, at creation this week. We never finished the lesson, but if I would have finished the lesson this week, uh, if you would have looked at the, the handout that went home, there was a challenge there uh, to memorize one verse. And it was this one. That I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You are valuable to God because God made you. Just like you are proud of something that you make or you are proud of something that your kids make or your grandkids make, that is what gives it its value. Well, that's what God did for you. It doesn't matter who you are. God made you. You were perfectly and wonderfully made, and so he, you are valuable, therefore, to God. And, and, and that maybe says, yeah, okay, I was valuable. I understand that God maybe valued Adam and Eve at creation because they were perfect. They were made in the image of God. They were like newly minted coins. They were so shiny, but then what about after they sinned? What about when we sinned? When, what happens when God looks at us and he no longer sees that shiny penny, but he sees that grimy penny that's been just, I can't, my, there we go. Um, uh, but when he sees that grimy penny that's been in numerous couch cushions, I mean, that's gross, right? To think that maybe this was in my couch cushion and this was in your couch cushion and this was actually from the the, the store next door, you know, in the, in the take a penny thing. Um, that's kind of gross to think of all these places, and I'll wash my hands before communion. But you think about all these places, and we think, does God still love me then? When I'm just that grimy penny that's gone through to, or grimy quarter that's gone from vending machine to vending machine and couch cushion to couch cushion and dropped out on the parking lot and left there for days and weeks and then picked up and, and traveled somewhere else. That's, that's kind of crazy to think about, but then you go back to what we said in the children's sermon. If I take this penny next door, what are they going to credit me with? One cent. If I take that shiny penny next door, what are they going to credit me with? One cent. And that's, that's Jesus' point of this parable. That no matter how many places you've been, how many times you've run away from God, you're valuable to Him. And like I said, you know, you look at the context of what it was written. You know, this was, this was this conversation that Jesus had with tax collectors, these shiny pennies. Or, or he had the conversation with Pharisees and teachers of the law. They were the sh some so-called shiny pennies of society. And they're muttering, ah, Jesus hangs around with these dirty pennies. Jesus hangs around with these, these tax collectors and these sinners, and he welcomes them. And Jesus uses this parable to say, you bet I do. Because for Jesus, they were worth his time. For Jesus, they were worth his effort. And more than that, 
Jesus says they were worth my life. You know, on, on uh, Vicar's desk, I don't know if you realized it was missing, but uh, I stole it uh, t- today, but, you know, it's just this plaque. And we're going to talk about this in October 30th sermon. Uh, but you look at that beautiful passage, while we were still what? While we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Just let that sink in. It wasn't when we were just always shiny pennies that, that God said, I'll die for you. No, while we're still sinners. Christ died for us. That assures us today just how valuable, how valuable we are to God. And it maybe begs the question, why? You know, why would, why would Jesus do this? Uh, that we, we, he would die for us. I, I, I suppose we could just pawn it off as God's amazing grace. Uh, yeah, we can't understand, fathom God's undeserved love for us. We can't comprehend the height, the width, the depth, the, 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 the breadth of his love for us. We can't understand why a perfect God would take on human form and, and, and die in the place of sinners. And you're right. It is God's amazing grace that led him to value us like that. But it's not just his amazing grace that led him to do that for us. And, you know, this, these parables, these three parables that Jesus talked, really, really gives us something, another reason. Uh, not that we need any more reason than God's amazing grace. But he says, you know what? It wasn't just for your benefit that he found you. Look what it says here. He says, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. That God found you because he wanted to put a smile on the angels' faces. And it's not just on the angels. If I would look at the bookend parables here, that first parable that we read from the, the parable of the lost sheep, there it doesn't say the angels are rejoicing. It says heaven rejoices. So it's not just the angels, it's everybody who's there. Uh, they're cheering, and if you go to the, the parable of the lost son, which we didn't read today, uh, the, the last scene is, is the father, who's a picture of God, and says, I could not help but rejoice that my, my son is now found. And, and so one of the reasons why God finds us is, is for heaven's joy, it's for God's joy, it's for, for the angel's joy. Or I think of Jesus, there's a passage in the book of Hebrews that says, for the joy set before him, he endured death, even death on a cross. I don't know if we always think about God's joy. I don't know if we always think about heaven's joy. I don't know if we always think about the angel's joy. Uh, Maybe the only time we do is at Christmas. You know, I maybe pictured the angels being somewhat joyous as they lit up the, the Bethlehem night sky and sang to the shepherds out there. Or I think of that, that Christmas carol, Angels We Have Heard on High, sweetly singing o'er the plains and the mountains in reply, echoing their joyous strains, right? Or I maybe picture the angels just really rejoicing on Easter, you know, being able to say, hey, let's go down to that grave and hang out there until the ladies come and say, hey, guess what? He's not here. Or we maybe picture them singing the Alleluia chorus when Jesus rose victorious from that grave and we can see the smiles on their faces. But that's what a hymn writer says. 
Or that's what our brain's saying. When we look at Scripture, really the only time that the Scripture tells us about the angel's joy is in the recovery of the lost. That's what brings a smile to their faces. When you, when God f- sought and found you, the angels smiled. The angels rejoiced. If that doesn't convince you just how valuable you are to God and to heaven, I don't know what does. I mean, you think about all the things that Scripture could have said the angels rejoiced over. And yet we don't see it reported. We don't see, you know, the, the angels high-fiving one another when Jesus does miracles. Oh, look, he turned water into wine. Uh, we don't see angel Gabriel chest-bumping angel Michael when, when Jesus raises a little girl of Jairus from, from the dead. But we do see, we do see the angels rejoicing when God raises someone from spiritual death to spiritual life. There is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So you, yes, you are valuable to God but you also bring joy to the angels and to God. And while that is a super comforting thought, and this whole chapter where Jesus really outlines this all is so comforting and, and thought-provoking, maybe it's, it's contemplating in a different way as well. It really maybe leads me to ask, well, what brings me joy? Do I just find joy only in the trivial things of this world, like money or vacations? Or maybe it's not even insignificant things or trivial things. Maybe I find my joy so tied up to my family and to my career. and That's good. That's good to have joy over such things. I mean, you, you look at Adam in a perfect world. What did, what did God do? You know, when, 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 Adam, when God brought Eve to Adam, he was joyful. He said, whoa, where'd you come from? And he breaks out into song. Wow, bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. He's super happy. That's great. But is that where our joy stops? In the things of this world. When's the last time our joy was tied to what Jesus talks about here. To the lost being found. When's the last time we've given that? You know, I, I, I shouldn't undermine, I, I think we do as a congregation. We, we pray for those things. We, you know, every time we have an outreach event, we pray for it. But is our joy tied to it? Do we find the joy that God finds in it? that heaven finds in it, that the angels find in it. Again, you, you look at the, the context here of, of, of everything that, that Jesus said to get them to say the presence of the angels are rejoicing over it. It's because the, the, uh, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law weren't finding that joy. And, and so he's really showing just with these three stories how far their hearts are away from God's heart. 
And I wonder if that's us too at times. You know, by, by putting all these three stories back to back, you know, I think we can understand, okay, yeah, the joy of finding a, 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 a pet. <laughs> we, can enjoy, we, we find the joy in finding some money. We find the joy in maybe having a family member surprise us for Christmas or for our birthday. We get all those things. But really what Jesus is saying is that if you find so much joy in those things, why don't you care even more about this? That someone who is lost has been found. That someone who was going to hell now is in heaven. That's the joy of God's heart. That's the number one joy that makes heaven sing and makes heaven laugh. You know, they always say, if you ever want to really teach law in a sermon, just talk about evangelism. Because we all feel like we've never brought in enough lamps or we've never swept with the broom enough to find the lost. And, and that's true. There are so many times where instead of letting the light shine, we just let people hang in the dark. Or we've never swept and sifted and swept and sifted because we'll just let the loss be a lost cause. Our hearts will never find as much joy in seeking and finding the lost as God does. But thankfully, thankfully God is the one who seeks. And thankfully God is the one who finds. And God is the one who rejoices just like he rejoiced when he sought and found you. For all the times that our hearts and, and our having our joy be tied into that, that we have fallen short, what do we do? We feel sorry about those things. We know we haven't lived up to the God's joy, and we, but we also trust in his forgiveness for such things. And you know what that's called? When we're sorry and we trust in his forgiveness, that's called repentance. And so, I don't know if you just heard it, but I think we just cued another party up in heaven, right? For there is rejoicing among the angels of heaven when one of us, one sinner, repents. And so, go home today, knowing that as we confess our sins and we are assured of the forgiveness Go home today knowing that even though we have been lost, we have been found. Go home today knowing that we don't always uh, you know, seek the lost like we should or we could. Know that through that repentance, there's a party going on. That you, because you are valuable to God, and because you bring joy to the angels and to God. Amen.